Welcome, perfect stranger. My name is Valérie. I see myself as a nomad with deep roots. I'm fascinated by our cultural differences and at the same time by what we all have in common. The more I meet people from diverse backgrounds, the more I learn about myself and the world. In this podcast, I would like to give you the opportunity to experience it by stepping in somebody else's shoes for a moment. Today, my guest is Paolo Battaglia, an historian who has studied Italian communities in America. He shares with us what he learned about migration and how and why communities stay connected to their roots through generations and generations. Once Italians, but any other ethnic group came to America, they had to forget about their language, had to forget about most of their traditions, because all they had to be concentrated upon was to be accepted by the American society. So for the first generation and for the second generation, it was mostly forgetting about the old country, as they call Italy. Once they got accepted, once they thrived in the new society, they were able to go back to their traditions. He also speaks about how he felt the Italianism in these communities. I've been traveling in the U.S. for maybe 30 years. I have been pretty much everywhere for school, for my job, for research. But once you enter an Italian house and you're Italian, you feel different. I don't think it's, it's something rational, but it's something that makes you feel at home. At the end, he underlines the universality of the migrant's experience through what he has observed in contemporary Italy. So I think that probably it's something very human to not be able to understand the people that come from other places. So, are you ready to listen to him? Welcome, Paolo. Thank you. It's a pleasure being with you. You know, you, you are the first guest on my podcast who will speak about the experience of descendants of migrants. And I'm really curious to learn more about what you learned speaking with the fourth, fifth, or maybe sixth generation. But first, let me introduce you in a few words. So I discovered you through your book that you presented at the conference organized by the Italian Cultural Society. The book's title is Italian-American Country, Finding Italy in Small-Town America. I find quite fascinating because in 1905, the Italian ambassador to the United States decided to take a train and cross the country to visit the most isolated Italian communities. And really, I was very impressed to hear that following his example, more than a century after, You took a car and traveled for over 15,000 miles. You met and interviewed over 100 people and visited dozens of places that have had a role in the history of Italian immigration. So my first question is, why did you decide to embark on that journey? It's actually my second book on Italian-American history. 
I've made a book with the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. in 2013. The name of the book was Explorers, Emigrants, and Citizens, and it was a visual history through the photographic collections of the Library of Congress. By doing the research for that book, I discovered Italian-American history was much more complex than what I felt as an Italian. And one of the things that was missing was the image and the history of all the small communities that didn't stop on the East Coast, but went to the South or to the Midwest or to the West. And when I was doing this research, I discovered the book by the Italian ambassador. I was inspired by his travels, and I thought that probably by following his example, I could have discovered more about the presence of Italians in small communities, which are very different from the large communities in New York or Boston or Chicago. So as you said, you know, you thought that this community might be very different from the also what we see on TV about Italians in the United States and the Italo-American culture. It's different on, on very different levels. For example, their provenance, because some of these communities came from the north or center of Italy, so not from the south, which is the region from where most Italians that came to the U.S. come from. So their culture, their language was very different. So it was a, a way of discovering also different Italys, not only different Italian-Americans, but different cultures among my fellow countrymen. And we are speaking mainly of immigrants who arrived before World War I. So it's more than a century ago, or maybe even 150 years ago nearly. How did they manage to keep their culture through generations? Yes, it was a very long process to keep their traditions because once Italians, but any other ethnic group came to America, they had to forget about their language, had to forget about most of their traditions because all they had to be concentrated upon was to be accepted by the American society. So for the first generation and for the second generation, it was mostly forgetting about the old country, as they call Italy. Once they got accepted, once they thrived in the new society, they were able to go back to their traditions much more. And now today, there are a lot of young people from those communities that, that traveled a lot more to Italy, to the regions where they came from. They started to study Italian culture, they started to speak Italian again. We can say that under the radar, their traditions were still alive. And that was especially uh, true with religion and with the food. So those were two of the main things that they were able to keep during their process of getting American. Speaking with the young generation who traveled back to Italy, is it still the main link that they can feel if they go back? It's religion of food or what is the experience when they go to Italy for the first time? Do you know? It's mostly a way of trying to find their family roots. They try to go back and find their relatives there. They try to find their homes where their grandparents or great-grandparents left from. If I compare it to the Italian young people, religion is still more important than it is here, but it's not the driving force anymore. I think it's more a cultural, a broad cultural interest that they have for Italy now. So when they arrive in Italy, they don't feel completely strangers 
Can they feel that they have something from that country still? We're not very kind with Italian-Americans. We tend to have more stereotypes than probably Americans do. So sometimes they come back and they feel maybe a little strange because they've not been treated as they expected. They've been treated as Americans, which they are, if I can be very honest. They thought that their traditions were very Italian. Once they, they go to Italy, they find out that their traditions are not so Italian. At least they're probably old Italian traditions because they were the traditions of the people that left 100 years ago. Like, for example, the dialect. A lot of places in Italy have dialects, but the dialect that they speak is the dialect that was spoken 150 years ago. So they come back with a different language, which is very strange if you think about it. It's quite fascinating to think that these people speak a language from more than 100 years ago and it didn't move because they were a closed community and uh, it didn't evolve. So it's interesting maybe for historians to, to listen to these people to see how the language changed. Yeah, I think it, for a, a language historian would be very fascinating to study how all dialects survived in those tight-knit communities in the United States. For example, in In Arkansas, I was in, a, in one of the few towns that were founded by Italians. It's a town called Tani Town. And most of the people that settled there were from Veneto, so near Venice. It was very moving finding those old people that spoke Venetian dialect, which is not my dialect, but I kind of understand it. They were the, the ones that told me that once they went back, only the very old people understood their dialect. I was wondering if they were, because you went through a lot of different communities, if there were big differences between communities in the organization and the maintenance of the Italian roots. Even the smallest communities have either a local historian or a small museum. And so they tend to preserve their heritage through these small museums. The differences are, as I, as I said before, It's mainly the region that they came from. For example, in Louisiana, 95% of the people that settled there come from Sicily. Because in, until 1890, there were ships that went from Palermo to New Orleans. All the people that wanted to go to the United States and were leaving from Sicily ended up in Louisiana. They have a very strong Sicilian heritage. So the food, religion, most things are very Sicilian. Well, if when I went to Tanitown, as I said, there are no Sicilians. There are people from Veneto, from Marche, from Emilia-Romagna, so very different uh, kind of cultures. Apart from that, they feel Italian. They've lost their being Sicilian or being from Veneto. interesting to hear that after generations, it's important for them to have these roots and to think back of where they come from and to keep the history, as you say, with these small museums. Why do you think it's important for them to keep the memory and the history and the link, even for young generations? 
I think that being so far away from everything that they knew, because you can imagine people that went to Tani Town, they, they were in Indian territory when they settled there. So they were away from anything that they knew in Italy. They really were in the middle of nowhere. I always remember I was in a very small town in Nevada. It's called Paradise Valley. I got there. It's it's in the middle of the desert. So I had to drive 35 miles from the closest highway. And I could imagine people from Piedmont going there in the 1860. They had to tra uh, travel through Cape Horn. So it was maybe a four-month trip. And they ended up there and there was nothing. And the first people I met there uh, told me, welcome in the middle of nowhere. So that even today, they feel that they're in the middle of nothing. So I could imagine 150 years ago what it felt to be in those places. And so I think that the people that were there were very tight. They had to be tight in order to survive. And so I think that after even five or six generations, they need to remember how tight they were because that was the only way that they had to survive. I understand. Yeah. As a group, the more you're, you can belong together and share values, it, the stronger you are to, to survive. It's true. In an interview, you said that you discovered a natural connection thanks to the descendants you met. So can you tell us more about this common Italianism, as you named it? What do you mean by that? I don't think it's, it's something rational, but it's something that makes you feel at home. I've been traveling in the U.S. for maybe 30 years. I have been pretty much everywhere for school, for my job, for research. But once you enter an Italian house and you're Italian, you feel different. You feel much more welcome. Maybe it's also because for them, it was very important to see that somebody from Italy took such a long trip just to see what it was like living there. And once you start talking, you find a lot of common things, simple things. Of course, the food. It's something that cannot be underestimated for us as Italians. When you think about the family getting together, spending time at the table, and before that, spending time together cooking, it's something that makes you feel at home, even if you're in Arkansas in Louisiana. Then probably since I am a historian, so I kind of understand some things, even if they're not the same today. For example, the relationship with the Catholic Church was something that made me feel as if I was with my grandparents. Those are the things that probably made me feel at home every time I was with somebody from an Italian family over there. I really like the way you define it, like... You find this common thing because you feel at home. So there is something in common that you have with these people. And I think that's something I, I read somewhere else in an article. A woman was wondering what was Italian in her son because she sent him to study abroad. And some Italian people said, oh, no, don't worry. He's Italian because when I'm with him, I'm at home. Yeah. And uh, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's very strong. And as I say in the book, sometimes it was also something that I could see in the environment. So when there is an environment where Italians uh, settled, I could find things that reminded me of things that I saw when I was growing up here in, uh, in Emilia-Romagna. 
For example, there is a, a small town along the old Route 66. It was called Rosati. It's mostly abandoned now, but there are still a lot of vineyards over there. And the vineyards that I saw were very similar to the vineyards that I saw when I was growing up in my granny's farm. So even the, the environment made me feel at home. And I find it quite also interesting that they were able to keep this tradition because you say that people spend time together to cook and then to eat. And that's a big difference I have seen in the United States compared to Europe. It's the fact that here people, they eat quite quickly and then as soon as they are finished, they leave the table. Families quite often don't even eat together. Yeah. And so the fact that these communities have been able to keep that tradition of this social time around the table and around food, it's quite interesting. And it's also something that they used as a bridge toward the other Americans. In most of these small communities, there are either spaghetti festivals or Italian festivals where they cook spaghetti or any Italian food for the whole community. And they're very successful. People come from all over the region just to eat that. So the food was used also as a way of building a bridge toward the other groups, which is, I think, very typical for us today. Food is, is probably the, the most important thing. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's true that food is a great bridge. It's a great way to invite others to get to know your own culture. Yeah, when we are together for uh, one of those long dinners or lunches, we not only eat, but we get to know each other better. And so it was very interesting that as I was traveling, I had interviews with a lot of people, but we also ate together. Many times I discovered more things while we were eating together than through the formal interviews. Because that's when, when you feel much more ease with people that you have in front of you. So it was very important to have those kind of gatherings too. Have you found something universal in the experience of all the immigrants you met? The main reason I started researching the history of Italians in America is that as a country in Italy, we started being a destination of immigrants in the last maybe 20, 25 years. And we weren't ready. We didn't treat the people that came here well. One of the reasons why we didn't do it is that we forgot what it meant to be an immigrant. So I think that most of the things that people go through as immigrants are pretty much the same here as they were in the United States for Italians. You live in worse conditions than the rest of the people. You are not understood. Your food is not even understood because it took a lot of time for Italian food to be accepted in American culture. And so I think that's the universal thing that I was looking for. I don't know if, I, if it's right to say, but unfortunately, I found it that it was the same. So I think that probably it's something very human to not be able to understand the people that come from other places. I feel that once you get to a certain point in your new society, you tend to forget. 
it's something that I, I discovered here because I come from Emilia Romagna, which today is one of the richest uh, regions in the country. But until 40, 50 years ago, it was one of the regions from where the people left to go to North Europe or to the United States or Australia because there were no jobs. So it doesn't take very long to forget about the hardships. Once you've reached a certain point, you tend to forget. And when people come from other places, maybe you're scared that they take you away what you've gained in your life. So I don't, I don't know. I hope that Italians can understand better what it means to be an, an immigrant. I think that a lot of things have changed for them in the last 10 years. I can see more and more people from North African or African origins going to college or having jobs that their parents could not have. So, yeah, I think it's it's getting better. It rests a lot on uh, younger generations' shoulders because they've grown up with people coming from different parts of the world. So hopefully they're more well-equipped than my generation to understand what it means coming from other places and growing up as an Italian. Last question to you, Paolo. Do you have any projects with emigration uh, in the future? I really hope so. Of course, it depends a lot on how it's going to be in the next year with regards to travel. Because my job is to research archives and to interview people. So it's very important to travel. So yeah, I do hope to come back and to maybe explore not different communities, but to go deeper into some of these communities. Because some of them are very interesting as a more general history. For example, in the South, there were a lot of Italians that came to the South to work in plantations, either cotton or tobacco, because they, they were cheap labor. And that's something that we didn't know as a, as a country. We didn't know that our immigrants went and took the place of the slaves that were freed after Civil War. So yeah, hopefully I, I will do something more. And hopefully my Italian-American country book and the documentary are more well-known in the future, since I'm a very small Uh, publisher it's not easy to promote it it still needs to be more than it is now i hope it will be you know my my father really really enjoyed it and i think we don't have enough of these sources of real life experience you know and you often find history books on big events but to go find the people and have their own experience i think it speaks a lot to people and they can relate much more to We say ordinary, but nobody is really ordinary, I would say. But other people like themselves, I think it's a precious work. So I don't know if you want to add something, Paolo, if you have uh, something more you wanted to speak about, some character you met and was unforgettable or some anecdote or something. It's probably the variety of people and characters which struck me more than anything else. Variety, but with it's something that underneath that was very common, which is the Italianness that I said before. Thank you very much, Paolo, for this interview. There is much, much more to be said because there is a lot of information you gather, a lot of interviews, and 
and a lot of photographs because I probably didn't say it enough. My books are mainly photograph books. So a lot of uh, old photographs that I've found in the museums and in the archives of these communities, which are compared to the new photos that I took as I was traveling. You can see exactly what changed and what they looked like, all these Italians when they arrived. Yep. Thank you again. I hope that uh, your book will be a, a big success and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much for having me in your podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye, Paolo. Bye-bye.